This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I have Michelle L. Sullivan on the line. Michelle, how are you? I am great. How about you? I am awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You have an amazing story. And I know we can talk about a variety of different things today. But when we did the pre-show conversation, there's definitely some conversations around COVID-19 that makes a lot of sense with with your background and what you see. But uh, give the audience a little bit of uh, your backstory and and some of the things that uh, you're doing and have done. Thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor. So, Back in the middle 60s, I was born with a rare type of dwarfism. And back then, you didn't see, you know, little people around because there's not many of us. And also, um, back then, you know, a lot of people with disabilities were kind of shunned and you didn't see them. But I was fortunate because the doctor that delivered me told my parents to take me home and treat me, treat me like everybody else, which I think my parents would have done anyway. But, you know, especially back then, you really, you know, listen to their advice. And so I didn't even know I was little until I went to kindergarten. You know, my parents just treated me like everybody else. And the first day of kindergarten, when the kids strongly pointed out how different I was with my size, etc., I was blown away. I went in so confident, you know, going to school. (laughs) And when I left, I was outside the circle. And we've all had moments, Michael, where you felt outside the circle for one reason or another. And I went to the car and I asked my mom if there was something wrong with me. And she hesitated. And I'd never seen my mom hesitate before. But looking back, I'm sure she had waited five years for that question. (laughs) And she said, you know, Michelle, God makes everybody different and you are going to be smaller than just about everybody, but you can still do anything you want. And you can see one of your differences, but we're all different in a lot of ways. And I really didn't understand it as a five-year-old, but as I started in school and learned that I became really smart in math, I became known as the girl that was smart and not the girl that's little. And I really started to understand what she was speaking about. And, you know, I went on to get a great education and I've had many orthopedic surgeries in my life, but I also have had all the opportunities that I could ever want. I was born into a wonderful country that gave me those opportunities and a family that gave me everything I needed to, you know, to really thrive. And then I got on, uh, after I completed my master's, I got on a Caterpillar. My dad worked at Caterpillar and retired. My sister still works there. And I had a wonderful 30-year career, and I retired at the end of 2018. And my last position, 23 years into the company, I got my dream job, and I was the president of the Caterpillar Foundation for my final seven years. And the first female president, and the foundation was founded in 1972. I'm sorry, 1952. And it taught me, I got to experience so many things with that position. We worked on extreme poverty, so I traveled the world. And, you know, all my life, people said, Michelle, you need to write a book. And I didn't think my life was really 
you know, any different than anybody else's. We all have a story, I believe, and we've all had our journeys. But as I neared retirement and all the people I'd met who looked up to me through the years and supported me and who I try to look up to, and I decided to write the book. And I titled it Looking Up as (laughs) it somewhat relates to my size. While I literally look up to everybody, it taught me the best relational posture, which is to look up to everybody figuratively because we all have value. And in the book, it talks about the people who I've met along the way especially in the foundation who have the same aspirations that we have, and yet they live in extreme poverty. And in so many ways, I look up to them and I write about them. And the book is really about perspective, which is very relevant today as we're going through this pandemic, because while it's certainly an inconvenience for me and everybody else, I think about the people who are sick or who have died or you have loved ones who are impacted, the people who have lost their jobs. And I really think about how can I help them? And at the end of the day, I believe our purpose is to help people in whatever way you can. And so I think the book is very relevant today because I talk about life lessons that really bring that to light. And it's an amazing book. And and obviously, we booked this a while ago, our interview before uh, COVID-19 became so prevalent in the world. And it, it's funny how stories that were written about certain situations and experiences and how to live life and how to look up uh, to people uh, is so prevalent in something that we're facing right now with a pandemic. I, I know for a fact when you wrote this book, and I could be completely wrong, but I'm I'm pretty confident that you were not thinking about a pandemic when you were sharing <laughs> your story. I, no. I, I'm, I'm guessing I, I'm guessing that it, it didn't cross your mind, and but it it goes to show um, you know the challenges that everyone's facing, and I love how you you know, you, you frame it as. It is an inconvenience. I know some people it's been pretty devastating when you have no income coming in and you're waiting for a stimulus check to come in the mail and uh, the infamous checks in the mail line and everyone goes to their mailbox every day looking for something that didn't show up and you know standing in long lines for food or you know maybe they've have loved ones that are sick or unfortunately have have passed away mm-hmm. you know during this time and it's it's a traumatic experience. So, you know, we, anybody listening that's experiencing of that, please know that, you know, neither Michelle or I are, are making light of anyone's losses or challenges, not at all, but it's uh, in comparison to other things that have happened in, you know, the history of the world, or even in the last hundred years, uh, this is more or less an inconvenience compared to other tragedies such as world wars or hurricanes or typhoons or tsunamis or anything else that has wreaked havoc. But I think the one thing that is really unique about this experience is it is global. It is truly a global situation where our counterparts in Germany or Israel or Russia or China or Japan or Australia, everyone is experiencing something to do with this particular situation. And it's, it's interesting uh, to watch, you know, the dynamic of people and, and how they, 
you can navigate through that. So in the book, what are some things that, that you talk about that you think would be really applicable to what people are facing right now with this COVID-19 situation? Yeah, thank you. You know, this in my lifetime, this is really the first time that this has been such a global impact event in terms of, you know, 9-11 was really the United States impacted and was quite traumatic. And this really is a global uh, issue that we're, cha- we're challenged with and uh, that we do have to think about others in a way that we never have before. And it also shows how connected we are. <laughs> and uh, so when you think about it, first of all, I also did a TED talk called asking for help is a strength, not a weak is a strength, not a weakness. And so there are some people who are really struggling with, you know, being alone and not being able to socialize or they're, you know, without a job or they've lost someone. And I want people to know that it's never a bad idea to ask for help for whatever the reason. And I think that's very important for people to remember because there's, Rarely in life do you do anything all by yourself. We always lean on people, and we have to continue to do that, and that's number one. And to do that, sometimes, you know, in the book, there's also a chapter besides that one called Making the First Move. And, you know, to ask for help, a lot of times you have to make that move to do it. But it's also on each of us to watch out for those who may be vulnerable and you have to check in on people and that's on all of us. And don't be afraid to lean in and ask somebody if they're okay or what can you do? Because I think that's very important during this time. And you have to let your guard down to do that. You know, it's sometimes uncomfortable to ask somebody if you see them struggling to move forward and really bring the subject up. But it's very important during this time that we do that and keep everybody as healthy as we can um, from an emotional and mental state as well. The other piece is this isn't going to be forever. I don't know how long this is going to last. To be honest, it seems like it's lasted an awful long time. I live in Illinois. We were the second state, I think, to lock down. So we've been in lockdown down for quite a while, and I think it's going to continue, it sounds like. But we want to make sure that it's dealt with so that we don't get freed up, so to speak, and then get, have to go to lockdown again. <laughs> so I also think we have to have the patience. We're all used to running around like chickens with our head cut off in the real world. And an important lesson here is Look at the opportunity we're getting. Change your perspective a little bit. When was the last time you actually had so much time at home? And especially if you are being able to see your loved ones. And where you actually got to decompress and have a simpler life, which in a lot of ways we do. We're not having to drive in traffic to work. Albeit working from home has its challenges. It also has its benefits. You can get out and walk. Luckily, this didn't happen in the dead of winter. You know, this happened as we're going into summer, which I think is a a great um, opportunity for us. And so find that new line of sight and think of this as 
an opportunity to do some things you normally wouldn't get to do. My friends on the internet were cleaning out their kitchens and pantries and everything, and they're having a contest to see <laughs> what's the oldest item somebody has. And somebody had a can of something from 1991 <laughs> that was pushed in the back of the cabinet. Yikes. And also, uh, you know, spending time. I know a lot of people have their children at home unexpectedly. And it certainly has been a challenge, you know, with the e-learning. But also think about the last time that you had consecutive weekends where you didn't have any sporting events or dancing or anything with the children and that you're sitting at home playing games and reading to them. And also look at all the good things that are happening all the good deeds people are doing. Every day you hear all the good deeds and the good messages. And I think there's a lot of good happening and it's really reset what's important for us. And I wonder, I believe in fate. <laughs> and I'm wondering if this is a message saying, you know, you guys need to really go back to what was important and slow down. So I, I'm trying to look at it that way. I, I have a chapter in my book called Find a New Line of Sight. And, and I'm looking at this whole ordeal with the new line of sight in terms of opportunity and how can I help those who are suffering. It, it, there's so many lessons in what you've shared because one, I think, like you said, there's uh, this opportunity that we likely won't have again, where we can all uh, be at home uh, more than we normally are. And we're seeing, you know, some of the dynamics of that where people are, are in their home and they're realizing they don't necessarily care for the place that they live in. So once things open up, <laughs> Real estate people are going to be busy when it comes to people wanting to move into different houses, maybe mm -hmm. bigger, <laughs> something along those lines. But they're going to be busy, and, and unfortunately, I because I, I know uh, I've got some colleagues that are attorneys. Uh, there's going to be a, a lot of divorce filings because mm -hmm. people are unfortunately spending a lot of time with people that unfortunately they're not in the best alignment with, uh, but you know, it's, uh, we'll, we'll push those two things to the side, but it is an opportunity to slow down. And with the people mm -hmm. that I deal with and burnout and stress that was happening before COVID-19, yeah, I was hoping that it'd be an opportunity for people to, okay, let's, you know, let's pop this car in a neutral for a second, just kind of coast for a bit and see, see what things come out from it. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people have taken the opportunity that this is providing to do that. Uh, they've, you know, of course, and many of them may not have had the opportunity because they might be working from home. So they're still working mm -hmm. maybe even more hours than normal because their management doesn't know how to manage an organization remotely and they're micromanaging too much because I hear constant stories about that. Mm. Of course, with, with, parents they're also now uh, full-time teachers and, <laughs> and 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 one of the things as I've been talking with a lot of people and I've got family members that are in education and and I told them I said once it's safe for everybody to get back to school and people are in school and all that stuff prepare for a lot of parents to come up and either give you lots of gifts or give you yes. Because they're going to realize, wait a minute, it wasn't the teacher. <laughs> it was, it was, I know. It, <laughs> Look it was how that kid. perspective has changed and how much appreciation for teachers and the health community 
Mm-hmm. The people at the grocery stores who are making a minimum wage and putting their life at risk for us. Yeah. I mean, look, it's amazing the gratitude that is coming forward. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I, uh, it's long overdue and it's, it's tragic that it had to come to what we're going through in order to make that happen. But I am thankful that people are recognizing that. And when I do go into a store that is open, a grocery store, or maybe a pharmacy or something like that, I make sure that I you know, take the time and genuinely thank everyone that I encounter uh, for being there and, and doing what they're doing. And of course, those stores are doing an amazing job to do everything they can to protect the workers. And I hope that continues uh, for that. But it, there's so much opportunity for us to just take this time that we have, uh, which does, like you said, feels like a very long time, but it's been a few months in the grand scheme of our lives. I'm in my fifties. You know, <laughs> a, a couple months is not, you know, a big, you know, window of time in, in the grand scheme of my entire life. But these past few months have been unlike anything I've ever experienced. And even as I said to you before, I tend to work remotely a lot. So from that aspect, there really shouldn't be anything different, but it still is. And I, and I know some of the reasons why I think part of it is the empathy of feeling bad for others kicks in. So that, Mm -hmm. that that weighs on you and, and drains on, on people that are, you know, are full of empathy and, and concern for others. And that, that takes a toll on us. And it, it, sometimes there are days where we're drained and, um, you know, I, you know, I'm talking about myself where I'm like, why am I drained? You know, I'm getting enough mm-hmm. sleep. I'm eating well. I'm doing all these things. And I realize it's like, okay, it's just, I'm drained because of what's going on. And, um, and so you have to, you know, do certain things to help ease that a bit. But at the end of the day, again, I, this is an opportunity for people to take stock and look at their life and go about life a little bit differently. You know, take some risk, try different things, um, explore. Right. Uh, and there's, it's a great opportunity for people to do it. And I highly encourage them to do it because we kind of have a safety net in a way um, because we're home. and it's yeah. <laughs> And we're, if your home's not safe, then you know, that's a completely different conversation. But right. if, if it is, you know, it's an opportunity to just kind of reflect and take stock. Look, and, and this is important. This is one exercise I have people do a lot is you know, really focus on the things that you really enjoy in life. And yes, many of those things we may not be able to do right now, but we will. We'll get to it again. It's going well, to happen. I think one of the biggest challenges is, of course, the uncertainty not only with the virus and that it's, uh, are we going to catch it, but also when is this going to end? And we don't have a time frame for that. And also it doesn't sound like it's going to be a switch where, all right, everybody out. It's, it's not going to be like that. And so I think we need to get our head around that this is going to be phased in. And I think we're going to, much like 9-11, we're going to have a new normal, you know, the way we travel and do other things after 9-11 is still with us today. And so I believe that, you know, we're going to have quite a few new normals after this, but I think we'll come out better on the other end. And as you said, I think there's a lot of inner uh, perspective going on. You know, people are going to say, you know, why am I working so hard? I enjoy, (laughs) I enjoy being with my kids. I enjoy having time to take a walk. And 
I think it'll be interesting how people go back to their, quote, normal lives before this and how many actually are going to reevaluate and reprioritize what's going on, which would have never happened. So as you said, and I said, there's a lot of good coming out of this and we really have to stay focused on that. And, and what, what can you do for yourself and for others, you know, to take advantage of this time? Because once they say, go back to work, you know, go. And then it's like, this never happened in a way. Yeah. And I think there's many organizations and I've got family members that work in it and they had, uh, it's kind of ironic in a way they had the biggest struggle to uh, convince the management team that, they should allow working remotely at least maybe a day or two a week. Well, now and those organizations <laughs> are working every day remotely. So it's exactly. a case and it's been working and they've been doing it for months. So it's for many organizations, uh, the cat's out of the bag. Good luck trying to get the cat back in for employees saying you have to come back in the office and they're going to say, why? Um, why do I need to come back? So it's, yes. there's going to be some interesting dynamics. Uh, I, I know we had talked earlier um, about you know the real estate kind of thing where houses, I think house sales are going to be uh, crazy and a lot of people are going to look to either change or potentially downsize because you know, one of the things you just mentioned about you're taking stock in your life and going, okay, I want to spend more time at home. I want to spend more time with my kids. So maybe I need to get into a smaller home with a lower payment so I can take a lower paying job or work less so I can still afford it, but still have that flexibility and benefits of everything that I've gained. There's a lot of these you know, discussions that people can have, but I, I think one industry that's really going to have an adjustment is going to be commercial real estate because I see a lot of organizations considering why don't we just virtualize? We don't need an office anymore. We can just rent something temporarily if we need to have a meeting somewhere. But for the most part, we've distributed our organization and we don't need an office. Right. So it's, it, there's going to be some really interesting dynamics and things that come from this uh, over the next few years. And it's, it's going to take some years for this all to kind of shape out and figure out where it lands uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people go. And my hope is that if people feel that they would be better off you know, working remotely a little bit more often, I think there's going to be organizations that are going to cater to that. So the ones that don't uh, need to figure out how to, because I think there's going to be some key people that will leave your organization and go to an organization just because they can work remotely. And it's, it's going to be an interesting, interesting time ahead for sure. And like I said, your book, you know, I, like I said, it wasn't written for the pandemic, <laughs> but it belongs in the good reads during a pandemic section for sure. So. Yeah. So. And you know, there's a lot of innovation going on, like you just pointed out. So, you know, the book has a lot of lessons and, and people who have been through so much, you know, and how they came out the other sides in the book and who I look up to and, you know, there's a thread of faith in the book because I rely on my faith. And, you know, you can find out more about it on lookingup.com. And just, you know, think about your perspective during this time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, highly recommend everybody pick up the book. It's a great one. So, Michelle, I've enjoyed our time today. I know you just gave the link, but go ahead and share um, that link again in any place else that people can find you and this awesome work you're doing. Thank you so much. Lookingup.com will take you to the book and tell you a little bit more about me and 
speaking on resilience, et cetera. And uh, also keep looking up because the view is great. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your time today and appreciate you and, and this great work you're doing. You too. Thank you. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.